Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Let's stand to our feet. Man, you're a little slow. Summer got you dragging, man. (laughs) Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, you look good. You, you do. You look beautiful. It's a wonderful day. Um, a couple weeks ago, and let me go back here and, and just commend and say thanks to Brandon for last weekend. Um, I was able to listen to the message this last week, and the thing I love so much about Brandon is, number one, he's just gifted beyond what I've ever dreamed of being gifted, but what I love the most is authenticity. Uh, He just uh, has a great gift and ability to connect with people, and even if he gets up and says, boo, you feel loved, and so, um, but it was was a great message. One of the things I learned uh, from that message, I'd never heard this before, so I'm telling I'm getting a little older. Uh, He called it doom scrolling on your phone. You know, when you're going through Facebook or Instagram, social media, and I thought, how many people are doom scroll? Don't be doom scrolling during my message. <laughs> I'll doom all over you, man. Let me tell you right now. And so, anyway, it was great, and so thankful for him. Uh, I'm going to continue this brief series called "The Chosen," um, because what I've realized, it, it, we live in a world that talking about doom scrolling. So many times we're living somebody else's story or our story gets lost in their story. And so we read things online and we go, man, I, I wish I had what they had or I wish I was where they are or I wish I could do what they do. Or, and they, can I just tell you something? Everything on Facebook and Instagram is about 10 times better than it really is. I'm not saying people are lying, but getting real close. Uh, you know, in other words, we want our story to look, oh, incredibly attractive to everybody else. And it looks like they have no problems and they have no issues. And it's like all of a sudden you get consumed by the picture that they're painting, the words that they're saying, and, and, and the story they're telling. And before you know it, you don't even know what your story is. Because you're like living vicariously through their story or you're angry at their story or you're envious of their story and, and, and you, you, all of a sudden you don't realize God chose you just like he chose them. You are the chosen of God. You're created in the image and likeness of God. God wanted you here. He wants you here. And he put you here for such a time as this. I mean, I am so thankful I was not born in the 20s. And for all of you who were, God bless you. You have lasted a long time. But can you imagine, uh, like, outdoor 
uh, outhouses in the middle of the night having to get up and go outside, not having a microwave. Come on, I'm just getting real right now. I'm just telling you. And so I look and I go, you know, I, I, I look at where we are today and I think, man, I'm just so thankful to live in a time where we have air conditioning in Oklahoma heat and we have indoor plumbing, we have microwaves and refrigerators and we have more television stations than anybody could have ever imagined. I mean, there's so many now, we don't even have dish, we don't have anything because everything you can do is on an app or online and it's just a crazy day to live, but it's actually pretty wonderful. But with that said, with all the great things we have available to us, let me say this, as wonderful as we think it is, how many of those things are keeping us from what God's called us and chosen us for? Now, I'm not putting anything down. There's no judgment. I'm not going to ask you what your numbers are, screen time. Your spouse probably ought to be asking you, but I'm not going to. Because what happens is when we talk about I'm chosen, the devil hates the fact that you were chosen to be born, you were chosen to be here for a purpose that God designed. And Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has more tools and weapons now than he's ever had throughout history to take away from you or to get you pulled away from what God put you here to do. And so today, hopefully I can bring some of this to light and help us to realize what that is. And most of us today, I'll begin here, if you say, why am I here? Why, why did God create me? Well, let me tell you why. Number one, God created you and you were born out of love. And I don't care if your parents hated each other, God loved you. And you were born out of love. God gave birth to all of us for fellowship. God loves fellowship. He loves us. He wants us. He desires us. You're the apple of his eye. You, you and I were created as image and his likeness. All of these things, are re that's why we were born. And you know what? When I got born again, all I knew was the Bible doesn't say God just loves us, but God is love. And so uh, I, when I, I just was so taken up by the fact that God loved me the way I was, and he, I know why I'm here, and that is because he wanted fellowship with me. Think about it. There's no greater thing on earth, no statement could be made than God loves me. So the why has always been easy for me to preach. Why are we here? Because God wants fellowship with us. It's an awesome thing. But then I go from the why to the what and to the where. So I know why I'm here. But the question is, what do I do with the why? What do I do with why I'm here? And this is the part that gets a little more challenging. Now, James chapter 2 says, listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and out as the kingdom's First citizens with full rights and privileges. Now, from our perspective, we can look humanly and go, okay, um, they're down and out, they're up and out, they're up and in, they're down and in, and all of a sudden we start measuring somehow by socioeconomic status, by appearance, by looks, by the size of someone's home, all those things, and, and we miss it because... 
Everybody on earth was born down and out. You may, your parents may have had a lot of money and had a lot of stuff, but you were born into sin. Now, your parents may not have told you that <laughs> because some people think their families have no sin, no issues. We're all good. Look at what we have. But the reality is all of mankind was born down and out. And that we all needed and need a Savior. So Jesus comes and he said I, I, the, he, he chose the world's down and out as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. Anyone who loves God. Not anyone who's perfect. Not ever anyone who is skilled and gifted and talented. But everyone who loves and worships him. So we've made Christianity, we converted it, transitioned it into a religion of do's and don'ts and, and good and bad and all these things that we've created and we measure who we are by those things and then once we discover who we are, that determines what we can do. So some people say, well, you know, I've just got a bad history and, and I've done a lot of bad things, so now my what is altered. No, because when you understand you are loved by God and that nothing is impossible with God and that he who began this work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, David was an adulterer and a murderer. He couldn't find a church to preach in if he were alive today. Because the mind of man doesn't measure the love of God. It measures the habits of humanity. Now, granted, there are things that we need to do and ways that we need to behave and be appropriate and all those things. But your what is never going away. And some of you haven't discovered your what yet. What am I supposed to do? What, what was I put here to do? What is my purpose in life? Because you have been living somebody else's story most of your life. Your first grade teacher, your high school counselor, your guidance counselor said, well, you know, you're not smart enough to do what you're telling me you want to do. Your grades don't line up with your passions. Well, let me just tell you, some people don't test well. They just live well. Just because you don't make straight A's on a test doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you don't like tests. It's always bothered me that we measure, we have these measuring sticks, and the greatest thing I can measure in anybody's life is passion. If people have a passion for something, they will learn the something for which they have passion. We all are motivated that way, yet we get sucked into somebody else's story, and somebody says, when you graduate from high school, get a J-O-B. That's what every father says, I'm tired of supporting you. But, and so you get a job, and actually you start doing pretty well. And uh, over time, you get some raises, you get some promotions, but you're still not really fulfilled, okay? And, and there's a difference in, in being happy and being fulfilled. There are happy people who are not fulfilled, and there are fulfilled people that, well, they're just happy. Because when you are fulfilled, that means you're doing the what 
for which you were created. And now every now and then, the what is messed up when you get lost in somebody else's opinion, somebody else's counsel, somebody else's voice starts speaking to you about what you're doing. And, and, you know, like I think about people that have made some real sacrificial decisions in life. See, nowadays, the the question is how much money can I make? What jobs are out there for me to make a, a bunch of money? And that's the first thought. Well, let me say something to you. Money is not what fulfills you. Now, trust me, it's better to have it than not. But I can tell you right now, there are people so fulfilled in doing jobs that don't make a lot of money. For instance, I, I have the greatest respect for school teachers because I look back on my, my first grade teacher. Listen, I, I, you think I'm crazy. Mrs. Lee, then I had Mrs. Bonar, then I had Mrs. Hargis. Then I had Mrs. Jameson. Then I had Mr. Richardson. Then I had Mr. Divine. I mean, I remember my teachers. Let me tell you why. Because they gave shape to my destiny. They didn't know it. They didn't call it that. But they educated me. See, if you have on-the-job training, a guy came up to me after 930. I'll give him credit. And after I do this again, it's going to be mine. But he said he went into this vocational work and he went in he said I'm here to be trained and the guy said no you're not here to be trained he said you train animals you educate people and so when I was in school I was being educated I wasn't being trained I was being educated and and nobody had at that time had an idea of what my destiny looked like but they were preparing me for what I'm doing today and, and, and back in the day, I, was, I, was, I had a lot of fun in school. I was in trouble regularly. And so when in high school, when I got to start picking classes, I, I wanted to take typing. And me and my buddy Tom, and I think we were probably the only two guys in typing because guys didn't take typing back then because, after all, we weren't going to be secretaries. Because that was back in the day. If you were going to be a woman, you had certain jobs you could do. One of them was secretary. And I thank God we've overcome that. But we were in typing, and, and, and we were so competitive because we were guys. We didn't have any estrogen. We had all testosterone. I mean, we hit typing keys so hard that we could break a typewriter, and all the women are, we're going, bam, 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 bam. But we were two of the fastest typists. Little did I know, this was way before computers were even thought about or we ever thought about them. But that typing class prepared me to write sermons on a computer because now I can type. I don't hunt and peck, baby. I can dance on a keyboard and make it happen. But little did I know that that was preparing me for what, what my purpose is today. So never discount what you're going through today. It may be preparing you for what God has for you tomorrow. We get caught up in somebody else's story or a story that we told ourselves in the past. And as a result, we're not doing our what because we forgot why we were put here. Fellowship with God and to live out a destiny and purpose according to his plan. But we have to look at every day and say, God, am I operating in my what today? You know... I've got 4.1 million miles on American Airlines. I've been flying since 1981. When I hit 4 million, I didn't get the Clooney treatment. 
The pilot didn't come out and say, here's the card you wanted. I got a phone call. Mr. Crowley noticed that you crossed 4 million miles. I'm thinking, do something for me. So I, I, am a, I, love, I love flying, and every time I get on an airplane, I pull up the flight plan. I know ahead of time, when a pilot, even though he's been flying forever, he gets in the cockpit, and when you see them sitting in there with all the gadgets, they're going through everything that they've gone through for 30 years. It's not like, well, I know what I'm doing. This will be fine. They're going through the flight plan. I have it on my phone. I can see where we're flying. I can see the weather. I can tell you where we're going to go, how we're going to get around it. It's a plan. And I like knowing it because I've been doing this a long time. And I, if I look and I say, that flight plan's taking us through red and yellow on the weather map, then I can know what I need to do. Pray. And then, if it's premature, get off the plane. So I track it. I was on a flight not long ago, and there was a huge storm system that blew in while we were in the air. And I looked, and I watched them reroute the flight plan. I saw what they were seeing in the cockpit. They were preparing, and they had set everything. Matter of fact, when it takes off, they don't even take off. They land the plane, most of the pilots do, but they take off with the computer. Everything's being programmed, and it takes off according to that plan. You see, God wants us to, as best as we can, program ahead of time so that when the storms come, we know how to adjust. Your what will come with adjustments. Okay, God, if I know what I'm supposed to do, there'll be hiccups in life, there'll be pauses in life, there'll be trouble in life. He said, but take courage, I've overcome the world and all the trouble. But many people quit and they abort their plan because tragedy hit. You didn't expect your spouse to leave. You didn't expect to have the trouble you had. And sometimes you say, well, that plan's, that plan's all messed up. No, no, somebody's just going to miss out on the plan that you once had. God did not quit on you. He didn't alter your plan. He didn't change your what. Somebody else tried to change your what. You got lost in their story or their opinion, and you quit your what because of what somebody else did. Don't quit your what. God didn't change it. When you were born, God had a plan for your life. He didn't go, well, we made it. Looked at, God looked at Jesus and said, are you sure that's right? No, absolutely, he knows. And so we are called and chosen. These are the easy parts. The cross was a demonstration of God's love. The empty tomb was a demonstration of God's power. So we are called to be lovers of people. Because if we don't have love, then power is corrupt. Paul put it this way. He said, if you don't have love, you're a clanging symbol. So every what that we have has to be built on the foundation of love. And let me tell you, that love will be tested. Because there are people that stand between you and your destiny, and what you think about is, get out of my way or I'll take you out. But see, then that's power before love, and love comes before power. So you can graciously say, here's where I'm going, and, and, and if you don't want to move, I'll just go around you. My, my, I'm going to live my what? I am. I'm doing it. 
I'm going to live my what? But I'm going to do it in love. Now, there are a lot of people who, you know, that grew up in the 50s and baby builders and baby boomers and you know, it was John Wayne era, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and, you know, if somebody gets in your way, take them out, and, you know, all those things. It was tough, and, and of course, they would call it tough love. No, it was just tough. There was no love in that boot. And so, you know, we have to remember that the why, which is God so loved the world, has to translate and go with our what, or it won't matter where we do what we do because we don't have love. And so I, I'm, I'm, this is, look, I'm preaching to me because I'm a type A, and I just soon knock you out of the way as wait on you to move. My natural man is not given to, well, it's okay. No, my natural man, it, it ain't going to be okay if you don't get out the way. But when I got really born again and realized that God didn't tell me, son, if you don't get out the way, you're going away. God looked at me with patience and grace and mercy and love, and he just took his time with me. And he just took his time and took his time. My mother, I know my mother, when we buried her, she had knees raw praying for me. Scarred up from praying for me. But she never quit on my what? Because she knew why I was born. When you know why, you can step into your what? But until you really know why, your what won't matter. There have been a lot of gazillionaires and millionaires died, depressed. The last days of their life, you think they could do anything they wanted, go anywhere they wanted. And let me tell you, that may be fun for a while, but there's nothing more fulfilling than doing what you were put on earth to do. And I thank all of you for your prayers because, man, about nine years ago, I thought my what had shifted. And I was okay with it, but I, I couldn't figure out what to do. I could not figure out what to do. Because this is what I do. I stand up, provoke some people, make some people happy, and really irritate others. That's what I do. And some of y'all, you're going to have crow for lunch. But my what is so fulfilling that your opinion doesn't matter to my what. Because there's always going to be somebody that wants to come and hear an encouraging word. You say, well, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Well, first off, be the light of the world. We're, we're, we'll walk in a room. And, and light up a room. You see, your countenance tells people whether they want to talk to you or not. Some of y'all need to get in the front of, a, front of a mirror and practice smiling. Because your face doesn't even know who you are. No, some people just never smile. The thing I hated most about COVID... Other than the deception and the lies? I said it and I'll say it again. Lies. 
And those of you that get mad at me, still going to do what I'm supposed to do. I hated the masks. You know why I hated the masks? Because I couldn't see people's countenance. I didn't know if you were mad or happy. I, I couldn't tell. And then you go into a store and you, and you, 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 you the, a smile is beautiful. When you smile, it's beautiful. Even if you're from Arkansas, it's beautiful. I didn't qualify that with anything following. But that's being a light. Whenever something's going wrong, if I, now what I find myself doing, if I find myself getting frustrated, I intentionally put on a smile. It softens the blow of what I'm about to say. Thank you for doing that. It's so dumb. And you, maybe too. And they miss the words because they see a smile. Now, I'm, I'm making light of it a little bit, but the reality is that's a part of being the light of the world. Sometimes we think it's all about what we say, and voice is the second part of how we live out our what, is being a voice of hope in a world of hopelessness. But when I first started in ministry, I was on staff. My first experience was at St. Mark's United Methodist Church in South Texas. And... Uh, the pastor was a seasoned pastor. He, he really, he was an okay communicator, but he was a really good pastor. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, pastors have this ability I don't have. I'm just being honest with you. I, I've never felt like I was just a really great pastor. I, I love to preach. I love to lead. I love to inspire. I love to motivate. But if you ask me, to, you don't want me to come to your hospital room. I am a terrible hospital visitor. Number one, I don't, I don't like places where everybody's sick. And, and even the baby ward, babies aren't pretty. They just got pushed through this tunnel. <laughs> and so I would go, Jesse, it'll be all right. And so... I, I thought, I need to learn how to do hospital visits. So I'd go with this pastor to do hospital visits, and, and he was really good at it. Because I thought, well, you go in, you pray for people, and, and, and you know, how do you pray? And, you know, you, you pray that their knee will be healed and they're in for heart surgery. And <laughs> just little stuff like that that you miss out on, you know. But he told me this. He said, Mark, he said, look. It's really not so much about what you're going to say. It's about just the fact that you cared enough to show up. I thought, I can do that. I can show up. And, and uh, then I learned another valuable lesson. And this is just a sidebar. This is a little bit of a squirrel. But before you pray for somebody, ask them what they want prayer for. Really helps. <laughs> because a really good friend of mine, and this is, you'll think it's a sad story, but it's not a sad story. A family, they're, they're really good friends, and, and the wife got cancer, and, and uh, she was such a mature Christian. And finally one day she said, stop praying that I'll be healed. I want to go to Jesus. 
well, you know, as a strong prayer. No, you don't. In the name of Jesus. Rise up. <laughs> you know, you person of power and faith. But I just finally started agreeing. I pray that you die quick. <laughs> That's what she asked for. What, am I going to try to override her will? No, you need to live. I'm not God. I don't know. But I know this. I know what she wanted. And listen, God answered my prayer. And her prayer. And, and her family was okay with it. They said, you know, she's suffering. She wants to go. I prayed. Every time I'd go visit my mother in the nursing home, I'd tell the nursing home people, the, the memory unit, I'd say, well, I'm just praying she goes to be with Jesus. They said, no, she's a light of our community. I'm thinking, this is a bad community. If my mother's a light of this community, y'all got issues. So we as Christians, we, we oftentimes, we try to find out, I mean, it's, it's good to ask, but, but you got to know what you're called to do, and then once you know the what, educate yourself in how to operate in that what. And that pastor taught me how to operate in my what, and, and it's made my life so much easier. I have no issues anymore when somebody comes up and says, I need prayer. I say, specifically, tell me what you need prayer for and how you want it answered. Because I'm probably going to pray wrong. They're going to, at the end of it, they're polite enough to walk away and say, let me go find somebody who really knows how to pray. <laughs> but then if you complain about me asking you how to pray, and I pray what you want me to pray, and then you complain, you're the dummy. You told me what to ask God for, and I did. And you told me, and I agreed with you. There's power in agreement if two or more agree, not if two or more disagree. We're called to be an example, which means sometimes it's sacrificial. That once we have been a light to people, when you walk in a room, ask yourself the question, am I smiling? What do I look like? How am I going to be received? Because people like being around happy people. Have you noticed that? Unless you have a grumpy small group, and then nobody needs to smile. Let's just gather together in the name of Jesus and complain about everything life has thrown at us. People like happy people. When somebody smiles at me, if I, if, if I have a, a server that really is not that good with his or her memory, but they're, they're smiling, I'm paying for a smile. I don't care how good you serve me. You are happy, and you're happily wrong, but you're happy. And so being an example means that we oftentimes sacrifice the things we might want to say and the things we might want to do on behalf of others. And we are all called to be our brother's keeper. And there's that fine line, am I enabling them or am I loving them? I'm not talking about enabling someone. I'm not talking about agreeing with sin. But you can love a sinner even though you disagree with the sin. I've known throughout my years being a baby boomer that... Baby builders had no tolerance for anything outside of what they wanted you to do. And parents would kick kids out of their house, get out of my house. You know, and, and it wasn't that they were necessarily doing anything wrong. They just weren't doing what the parents wanted them to do. Yeah. 
get out of the house. I'll turn you, you know, tough love. No, that's not tough love, man. I mean, you know, there are times that, yeah, you you got to do some things that are hard, but in the midst of that, we got to elevate people to their what. And if they know why, and you're the example of love, and you can tell someone truth, the Bible says speak the truth in love. Some of y'all speak the truth, but maybe you're not speaking truth in love. Look, you need to get a job. I believe in you, and I, I think you're going to find it beneficial when you have a job because we're not paying for anything anymore. I love you. So the very first thing that we have to realize in that is sometimes we sacrifice and sometimes we do things that we don't want to do in order to help others be everything they can be. But before you do that, there is this thought. And I've had people say this. They, they call it, have you ever heard of constructive criticism? <laughs> well, always remember this. Don't take constructive criticism from someone who's never constructed anything. <laughs> That's how come we have to walk out our what in, in order to enable people to get to their, their what. Then the last thing, so you know your why, your what, and I'm going to close with this. Next is your where. Where am I supposed to do my what? Because I know why now, I know what now, but where am I supposed to do my what? Because you can't just do it anywhere. The Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. That means that we just don't randomly live life and vicariously get up every day and do what somebody says to do and where they say to do it. That our steps are ordered by God. The reason I'm in Oklahoma City is not because I can't preach on a coast somewhere. Because I could preach this message in any city in America but I'm not sure it would resonate the way it does here because this is my where. That is so not a football clap. We're on the 18th hole. He's got a six-foot putt with about a six-inch break to the left. <laughs> you guys really have it down. <laughs> Scary. Thank you for being on the front row. Let me figure out where I'm going from here. I'm almost done. Let me say this, and this will be the last thing. The most fulfilled people in the world are people who don't just know their what and don't just know their where, but they do what they're supposed to do where they're supposed to do it. So if, if your where, for instance, is mosaic, spiritually speaking, I can't, I'm not talking about your vocation right now, your relationships at home. I'm talking about strictly your spiritual walk with God. If you are being informed and educated in this house, this, this is your where. Now, what I may do right now as I preach this is your where may shift. Because <laughs> what I'm about to say is going to challenge your what. 
if you are where you're supposed to be, you need to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Why? Because God loves you and puts you here for a purpose. And it's important that you understand that what you've done in the past doesn't have to affect what you're doing in the future. Now, there's a lady in our church, and I found this out probably a month or two ago. I didn't even know it because about, uh, it would have been probably 15 years ago, I started a thing in our church, and it, it, and, and, and some of you, I'll try to qualify this. Don't judge me because I don't know how else to put it. But there's a place in Oklahoma City that has strip clubs. I read about it. Because I know the question going through your mind, how does he know? Sick people. I literally was reading back in the days when there were newspapers, and I went, I didn't know this existed. Is anybody reaching these women? So I went to the women in our church, a group of women. I said, here's what I'd like you to do. How many of you be comfortable going into a strip club? Now, let me see, because this is where Jesus would have sent some women. Now, Jesus was so pure, he probably could have walked in. But I said, we want to go give gifts to these women. We want to give, be an example of God's love. And, and so these women said, yeah, we'll do it. And I thought, they're brave women. And so they started going to these clubs. They started taking teddy bears. They started taking gifts at Christmas. And all of a sudden, these women started coming to our church. And that was kind of a good thing and a bad thing. It was pretty noticeable. And I thought, now what do I do? There was a shift in where people sat in the congregation, and I'm not talking a good shift. And so I ended up giving them a private room for a, a teacher to teach them the Bible and start teaching them their destiny. And guess what? They didn't quit stripping like day one. They, they kept on. And we kept loving them. And serving them and finding a way to help them. And one by one, they started leaving, getting college degrees. And one of those ladies, I found out, is in our church right now. And this is 15 years ago. And, and so I found out. She said, oh, yeah. She, she told my wife, said, yeah, I, I, I was part of this group that Mark had at his other church. And, and so when I found out he was here, I came. She said, and I started coming in and leaving. Just coming in and leaving. And, and she said, I, I didn't know anybody, and I'm sitting here all the time. I love the sermon. I love what we're going But I wasn't doing anything. And she said, I, and finally, she said, I signed up to serve. Now, you don't even know who she is, and so you have an ex-stripper in here helping somebody out. <laughs> now, that'll mess your religious mind up. Well, I can't believe. Well, you know what? You did your own thing, too. Some of y'all want to throw some rocks. Let me just tell you something. You live in a glass house, and the person you're throwing them at has a great arm. And I'm so thankful. She said, I didn't know anybody, but when I started serving where I was at, doing what I was supposed to do because I found out why I was put here, I got to know people. I started getting friends. I started getting to know people. If you're just coming to church, I'm glad you're here, and I'm, I'm honored to preach to you. I'm honored to give you some information that might help you. But let me tell you, you will never be completely fulfilled until you find a place to serve. Yes. 
I'm telling you, Jesus, I didn't come to be served. What do you say? But I came to what? Oh. So if we're going to be Christ-like, you know, I should have irritated you in point one and made you happy at point three. It's a backward sermon right here. I'm going to help you leave and talk about me at lunch. But over the next five days, the Holy Spirit will visit you and tell you how much he loves me. And you should too. So, the greatest among you will be your servant. It's in the Bible. (laughs) I, I don't know if that makes any difference to you or not, but it's there. And guess what? Not only is it there, it's in red. (laughs) Anything in red trumps anything in black and white. And Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant. I decided when I got that revelation that I could not live my life without serving. Couldn't do it. And, And some of you are going to be so fulfilled when you decide to take that... I know this is tough, very tough, but, but take an hour and a half a week. Dear God, some of you, we have, we have volunteer places here you can serve for 30 minutes. Oh, Jesus. Some of you are looking, what's he asking me to do? 30 minutes of my life? That's time is so precious. Yeah, I want to be at the gate when Jesus says, hey, what's your name? Yeah, what did you do? I gave two hours a month to my church. All right, go on in. We got a trailer park back here for you. (laughs) I probably ought to slow down and find a place to park this. But honestly, being fulfilled is better than being happy. It's better than being liked. It's better than being celebrated. Being fulfilled and finding your what and finding your where because now you know why. Folks, let me tell you, I never thought I'd preach another day in my life. I, I thought for sure that it was over. This is all I do. This is my If I'm not telling stories about Jesus and preaching happy and trying to help other people get happy and find your place, I'd just soon go to heaven. I mean, I, my what is so solidified in me that you could offer me $5 million to do something else and I would stay right here. Unless they said I could do both. Anyway, so... But I, 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 I tell you, when you find your what, you're no longer for sale. When you find your what, nothing or nobody can take you out of that. That's what I want for you. You are chosen, and now you know why. You are chosen, and I hope you find out what that why is going to do for you. And that if this is your where, you need to do something. And this is not a, let's get involved Sunday. This just evolved into get involved. Because it's not that you say, well, they don't need me. Or, hey, look, it's not about what we need. This is about what you need. This is about you. 
and your, your life and your fulfillment and your peace and your joy, it's about you. When you start helping other people, it changes everything. When you see somebody's life changed, and you wake up one day and you go, wow, I got that. That's awesome. I remember having that conversation with that person. I remember talking about that. I remember when they were down in the slumps and dumps and, and, and we just had a conversation. And all you did was breathe a little hope into them. You see, sometimes people come through those front doors and some of you are in here right now. It's been a bad life. It's been a bad month. It's been a bad week. It's been a bad year. And you got greeters at the door. They're not conventional greeters. They're not religious greeters. Most of them have a story that you'd question whether you want to shake their hand. And then I'm a story that questioned whether or not you want to listen to this guy. We all have stories. My past is pretty colorful. But my God knows how to make a pretty picture out of a collage of colors. And yours is going to be beautiful. Yours is going to be beautiful. And so the people coming in, when you're shaking their hand, my prayer for every time you come on a Sunday and you shake hands in the lobby and you welcome people and ushers welcome you into the lobby, into the auditorium, that you would feel something you haven't felt. A handshake of compassion, of faith, of hope, a smile, a word of encouragement, something that would shift you back to realizing why God put you here and you are not an accident. You have purpose, baby. You have purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have incredible patience for us and with us. So, Lord, I pray for those who are struggling today with their chosen place in this life and in this world. I pray, God, that you would bring instruction by your spirit to their soul. That they would discover their what. And that they would find their where. And that they would function in what you've called them to function in. With every head bowed, every eye closed... We never like to close a service without giving you an opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. In other words, accept the why. He loves you. That's why he came. He gave his life. That's why he's here. That's why he came. He rose from the dead. Just for us. So I want all of you to pray this with me. Don't whisper it. Don't act sissified. There are people that need your words so that it can drown out the fear of them being heard as they pray this prayer to be saved. So everyone pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I am saved, and I know why. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, you said, I, I, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. You feel like you made that clear today. 
I want you to text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Follow the prompts. We want to be able to pray for you. If you're in-house, we want to ask you to meet one of our prayer team members to my left after service. We like to give you a time with them, and they'll just pray for you. It's not weird. Trust me, they're great people. And if you prayed that prayer in-house, please visit one of them. Say, today I gave my life to Jesus. Otherwise, both text and go visit a prayer team member, all right? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.